You have a delicate touch, you know? It gets the job done. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. GearBuds Podcast, episode 75. Wow. I'm Henry. Wow, 75. Dave's here. Hey. Yeah. And you've already heard our guest for today, Megan Davies. What's up, Megan? That's me. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being on, uh, coming to us all the way from gloomy Nashville, gloomy uh, as, Nashville. You, uh, as you alerted us before. Um, for those who don't know already, Megan is an amazing musician, songwriter, singer, and YouTube sensation. <laughs> uh, what are you, are you, are you like one and a half million subs now or something like that? Something, something around there. I, um, that is actually, amazing. You should, <laughs> my grandma would be able to tell you the exact number. She's like very proud. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Tell you what, when we're done here, we'll conference her in, yeah. and then we'll check in just That'd to make sure that I get it all yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. She's 90, well, so. <laughs> I love it. She, I, well, she knows I, more about YouTube than I don't even me, know if she has like an iPhone. I think it's landline only. Perfect. We'll dial I, her you up. know, I wonder if conference calls work on landlines. I bet they do. Yeah. I'm sure, yeah. yeah. We'll see. Hardwired. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I cannot cannot wait to get into all of the things that you do and have done and will do in the future megan but before that we're going to jump right into some of our usual segments that we do here mm-hmm. getting started with the symphony of corrections and here is your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes uh thanking all of you listeners far and wide for joining us every week uh follow us on instagram and facebook at gearbuds podcast subscribe spotify apple podcast blah 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 all those places uh, i've been keeping up to date again with the gearbudspodcast.com slash free stuff where you can go and find all the super cool free plugins and vsts and synths and whatever 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 people are putting out sample packs we've had uh right now they're all easily linked to there for you to go check out um i was gonna na- announce it uh in this episode but i'm pretty sure that by the time this episode comes out this will no longer exist but waves was giving away a free download of their wetter knob which is a pretty sweet little oh, yeah. like no fuss reverb plugin um so it's still worth it ch- still worth checking to see if that's live i do have it up there on the site but again pretty sure that's going to be gone by the time this episode comes out whatever uh you know it's still there uh nothing really major to update for the sub segment of bad fucking ideas this week other than just a reminder to everyone to please keep wearing your masks and um <laughs> don't you know pretend like this is over with you um yeah well, I- <laughs> It's uh, it's just a thing. I mean, I, it feels weird to even have to remind people, but I guess I guess apparently that's just we still do. Yeah, you know, I do. did I did a live stream this week. Um, actually, I think the first one of like this whole pandemic. Like, I haven't done any live streaming yet, and I did one, and we actually my guitar player was wearing a mask the entire time, um, who was playing with me, and nice. we got like Respect. a lot of. Yeah, I mean, like he he asked me ahead of time. He's like, "Hey, like, because I had a few other people at my house, and he was like, do you mind if I wear a mask?'" And I was like, "Yeah, like whatever makes you comfortable, it's totally fine." And but we got a lot of like anti-masker comments. I was really wow. (laughs) Yeah, that was a that was a a Martin. It was a Martin Guitars live stream. Yeah, it was a live stream on Martin Guitars, and they had told me ahead of time they were like, "Do not say anything political. Totally just music and related and." Yeah, so we were seeing those comments and like trying really hard just to push through. Um, yeah. yeah, fortunately, it's so weird to me that, that that's that's how is that 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 that's even a political issue? It's I don't like, know. It's, it's just it's just like loving your fellow American and and like trying to end a fucking pandemic. They were like giving him such a hard time in the comment section, and fortunately, really? people were like attacking those people. I'm so, sure because yeah. it's Facebook, you know, 
everyone has an of opinion. Course. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Now it makes yeah. sense. <laughs> and um, but yeah, poor TJ like was was getting getting some haters about that. Hey, get respect from my end. For yeah. yeah respect, okay. I'll pass man. that along. I'll pass yeah, that absolutely. along. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last thing I want to say here in the symphony, um, not to be too much of a bummer, but again. Um, we as musicians and and as entertainers and people in this industry are at a huge amount of risk right now uh i just read an article that said um and and, th- and this isn't just uh, empty posturing this is real people and owners and and people in charge of of the scene here in, in entertainment saying that night they're right now without federal assistance they're expecting 90 percent 90% of Chicago's independent music venues to close. Oh my gosh. Wow. wow. Nine out of fucking 10. That's insane. That, I mean, I, I, I literally cried reading this article article yeah. because it, I, I felt so helpless and powerless, but then I was remi- reminded of the fact that we do have some things that we can do. If you are fortunate enough to be able to actually donate money to, to save our stages right now, please do so. If not, at the very least, go to saveourstages.com. They make it super easy for you to reach out to your both local and federal representatives government people that's uh that's a them too. term yeah, they're important. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and and it makes it super easy for you to reach out to these folks and say how important it is that they actually pass the legislation legislation up right now so that federal assistance happens and comes out to support all of our venues that will not exist if we do not do that so again saverstages.com yeah. if you haven't already we've been talking about it every week but please go and participate there if you can soapbox over but now we're going to start with my favorite two words every single week. Dave's Docs. I'm going to let, I'm letting uh, some delay time go by so I can jump in now. That's great. Thank you for not stepping on my delay track. I know, I man. I, I think I've done it a few times now. So I wanted to make sure there was plenty of room for that. I definitely stepped on it. <laughs> That's all right. I, you, you know, know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to make it even crazier and louder and just have it going this whole time right now. Do it through the entire doc. Now. Yeah. Do it through the entire doc talk. That'd be so Just great. a bed of feedback for you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, man, I, uh, I dug through the archives the other night cause I was like, I've got a whole stack of, <clears throat> uh, burned DVDs, uh, from like college. And, uh, I was like, well, I think I got some docs in there. And sure enough, man, I found one of my favorite ones of all time. Um, I, I, I don't know, Henry, have we, do we talk about Bob Dylan a lot on this podcast or a little, or maybe not enough? I am. I don't think we we talk about Bob that old, old Robert Zimmerman. Well, I that did that. Much. I did that band documentary a few weeks ago about the band. You did that's right, um, yes. which is really cool because this one is almost the precursor to that all happening. There's a documentary called "Don't Look Back" about Bob Dylan, and it is strictly the 1965 London tour, and it's totally like one of those period piece documentaries. They don't talk about his background. They don't talk about what happens after. It's only a camera following him around that entire time. So, Badass. Um, dude, it's so cool. And I have to say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan, but I'm a huge like 1960s Bob Dylan fan. Like when he was really fucking cool, like maybe cooler than pretty much any American musician on the planet at the time. Um, well, so wait, so 65, that would have been right. That was that after Newport. So he had already done the electric thing at this point. No, it's right before. So that's why this is such an important documentary. Um, So he goes to London, 65, you know, he's got the leather jacket, he's got the cool sunglasses, and he's like, you can can tell he already thinks he's like better than everybody there. You know, so basically it's him like, journalists are asking him questions, you know, like, well, what would you say your style of music is? And he's like, what would you say your style of journalism is, man? Like, you know, everything he's doing <laughs> is like throwing back at them their questions. And it's it, you almost start to feel bad for these guys because like he's just being the biggest dick in the world to all these journalists. Um, 
But so that's kind of like, all right, you know, Bob's cool, but he's kind of a dick. Um, but he definitely was a smart dude. And this documentary really isn't important. It's not as important as if you uh, don't know who Donovan is. Do you guys know who Donovan is? Oh, hell yeah. I okay. don't. Gertie, man. Okay, so real quick. Donovan was this like Scottish folk singer. People kind of compared him to Bob Dylan at the time because uh, it was right around the exact same time. They're like the exact same age. His songs are very similar. And it starts off with him like in a cab and he's reading like a newspaper and Donovan is like the headline of the newspaper. Like, does Bob Dylan like Donovan? You know, Bob Dylan's coming to town. I wonder if he'll talk to Donovan and all this stuff. And they're comparing him and all this crap. And you can tell it really upsets Bob Dylan. He's like not into this guy, man. He's, he's like, you know, he's oh, calling, he refers to him as like that singer guy. And uh, <laughs> like, like all these really, really snarky comments. But it's almost in the sense where you're like, come on, Bob, you're Bob fucking Dylan. Like, you shouldn't really care about this guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's letting it get yeah. to him. Right. And there's a really famous scene. I'm, I'm sure the scene's even up on YouTube where they're hanging out in the hotel room towards the end of the film, and Donovan's there. And there's a bunch of people in the room. And, there, of course, there's a guitar because there's always a guitar. And Donovan picks up the guitar. Is it, a, is, it, is it like a Gibson Hummingbird or a Mockingbird? Yeah, totally. I feel like I, it's always one of those. Yeah, I, you know, I was trying to figure it out because the camera work is like, not as you know it's not so great because it's literally from 1965 so everything's kind of blurry but it looked like a gibson um it could have been some off you know like uk brand that he just like used yeah, for the right. tour but anyways um i was trying to look at that i was like is it a, it's not a martin i don't know um but anyways you know donovan starts playing one of his songs and, and bob's kind of digging it and he's like well that's really cool man but then you can tell he's starting to like he's got his sunglasses on and he's starting to kind of like bob to it like in an offbeat kind of way like it's maybe starting to bug him a little bit and then he uh, Dil- Donovan doesn't hand him the guitar. Bob takes the guitar after the song is <laughs> over and he sits down and he plays, um, you know, he plays the uh, It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, like looking like right at him the whole time. So it's almost just like it's this big like fuck you to that guy, which I almost felt bad for the kid, like, you know, watching it because the guy's like so uncomfortable. Um, but anyways, wow. I, I have to re- recommend this doc, man. I mean, it's just fly on the wall. Like, you know, my favorite kinds are where you don't you feel like you're in the room with the guy, you know, and mm-hmm. that's that's my shit. So um, the most important part, I thought, was that he plays Royal Albert Hall at the end. And there's like you could hear a pin drop, right? Like everybody is dead quiet because they're like, he has something to say, you know, and he's playing and everybody's listening to him word for word. What's really interesting about this, and it doesn't go into this movie, but when he does join up with the band in 66, they go back to uh, Albert Hall when they go back to London and they get booed through the entire set. Like, because yep. he comes out electric and everybody wants him with to be strat. this like poetic oh guy. My and, gosh. Yeah, and it's this crazy I can thing. Relate. People. Yeah, people literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to get who into does, that. Like, acoustic covers a lot. <laughs> we're, we are definitely going to get into that. Sure. So, <laughs> on my outline. So, I would say I would, I would highly recommend to watch Don't Look Back by Bob. Or it's a Bob Dylan documentary. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's fantastic. I, get it, I give it 10 out of 10 harmonica neck braces. So, there you go. Nice. There's, your, there's your arbitrary rating. And, um, I love that. And that's it. Rating. Yeah. I, uh, you know, you were talking about that scene in, in the hotel room, and I couldn't help but think about that, that that super weird Beatles movie that came out recently, and the name is escaping me. Maybe it was yesterday. I don't know. The one that where did you like guys about the kid? Yeah, where he where he, he, like the whole world had never heard of the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, the yesterday. I like that movie. It was good. Did you, Megan? Did you see that? No, I didn't. 
Okay. Well, I'm not going to spoil it too much, but basically there's a scene in there where this, this story, this, the movie is about this world where this guy, like he's this musician that's struggling and he's about to give up. And then for some reason, the whole world like forgets that the Beatles ever existed. So then he just like becomes a superstar. Oh, but wow. there's this scene where, um, and, and like the real Ed Sheeran playing Ed Sheeran is in the movie. Yeah. And, uh, he's, he's like, Ed sort Sheeran of like always pops up in like movies. Yeah. And TV shows. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah loves Game, Game of Thrones. Yep. He was yeah. In. Uh, but so he, you know, I've got to admit, like, I'm not, I'm not like an Ed Sheeran listener, but I, every time I've seen him in something, I actually kind of really like him. I thought he was, he was pretty funny and self-aware, but there's a scene where they're like, uh, they're like playing. They, maybe they just played a show together. I oh. think they're touring together at this point. And it's, and Ed's like, all right, I think I'm the greatest songwriter in the world. People are saying you're the greatest songwriter yep. in the world. Let's like throw down, write a song on the spot, and then everyone here decides. And then of course, you know the well. The Ed guy comes out. Who, Ed comes out and plays like a beautiful song. That's like yeah. these <laughs> awesome chords, and it's like amazing. And then what? But is, then what, what, is what this, is we? Does he play yesterday? He plays or long like, and winding road. The long and winding road. <laughs> that's right. Like, so crazy and everybody's like oh and then he's just like okay i give up like ed sheeran yeah clearly you're the best he's like you wrote that right now on the spot like and i could it feels like i i would have to imagine that was inspired by the scene with donovan because it's it's like the same construct Mm -hmm. of the the setup yeah yeah And, and music should never be a competition people don't uh don't you know don't think that it is but uh it is sure fun to see stuff like that sometimes um, yeah, it, unless you're it on exists, the like, voice or subconsciously. Something. I feel like yes. as someone who lives in like Nashville that I've been like I feel like I've been at so many like writers rounds where there's just like a ton of writers. Oh my <laughs> and there God, is a little imagine. bit of like you know, uh, you hear a song and you're like, "Oh man, that was great. That was good. <laughs> I need to like I need to beat that." <laughs> Yeah, that's. I mean, that's motivational, mm-hmm. and 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 I've definitely heard many songs where I've just been like, "Oh my god, I wish I wrote that." Yeah, yeah. You know, but that that's different than being like, "Well, I'm not going to like that thing because I didn't." Right. Yeah. That's, exactly. that's just that's just bizarre. Just I don't think I don't think Bob Dylan would do very well with like social media and constantly seeing what <laughs> oh, everybody no. else is doing. <laughs> no I don't way, think man. So. You know, I have to admit something to both of you here that that may or may not. Um, it's probably pretty embarrassing. <laughs> I, Henry Bianco have never owned a Bob Dylan record that wasn't one of the greatest hits. Oh, really? Yeah. Could I recommend I one for you? Well, I mean, I'm sure you're going to Blood on the Tracks, Blonde on Blonde. Like, they're, I know of them, and I've listened to them, but I've just, like, some for some reason, I've never bought them myself. Well, the, the I mean, the greatest hits are fantastic. You know, I think yeah. I listened to one earlier today, just kind of like, let's just put it on, you know, see, let's listen to all the best stuff, you know? It's just it's just one of those things that for some reason I don't know maybe because my parents weren't into it or something it just never like I don't it, it, Bob Dylan's always been there but I've never been one of those super fans and I think that, that also comes down to the fact that like despite being a songwriter and lyricist for like almost every band I've ever been in I don't pay attention at all to lyrics yeah so I feel like that would probably be a big bar to entry for like loving Bob Dylan that's music. the thing that blew me Definitely. away about him is like I don't know how he remembered all the words to his own songs like that I mean they're just they're like they're just like streams of consciousness like it's insane you know they it's say more of like isn't, I think it's I think it's like Jay-Z or someone who doesn't write anything down yeah yeah I heard like that. what yep. that like blows my mind like it's yeah, one thing oh to God. like remember things after you've written them down and rehearse it a bunch yeah exactly. yeah and like rap music has a lot of words so yeah. 
Agreed. No, I I am the sort of player that I I have I have to chart everything I write, otherwise I will probably forget it. Same here. Like, man. There's just oh, I I could go back and relearn it, but that's just that just takes a while. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I'm a voice memo. Mad person. respect. Oh my god, I think I I'm at voice memo two forty five uh, right now. I just I was just I was just <laughs> recording something. Uh, I, I might earlier. actually have you be. I think I have over a thousand at this point. Holy maybe fifteen hundred. <laughs> I'm like awesome. at this point really scared about losing my phone. And yeah. I was thinking the other day, like if someone came up to me and was like trying to steal my phone and had like a knife or something, if right. I would give it to them. <laughs> like at this point, You're like let me download like, these to my uh, to my cloud. I know. Really like quick. please, can we just like wait? Can I meet you here in like three hours after it like <laughs> swear backs it up to, to the cloud? <laughs> I'll just I'll just Venmo you a thousand dollars. Yeah, instead. For right. Real. It's like wow. becoming the most precious thing because. Um, of all the ideas or whatnot. Well, first of all, sign up for the extra iCloud package because that's what yep. I did. That's yeah. worth uh, it. And it backs them all up. Also, it, oh, yeah. it, there, I don't, was it Kirk Hammett? I feel like there was a famous story where Kirk Hammett lost a phone that had like years worth of riffs on it. Really? And then he just, and then he just could, yeah, I think I'm pretty positive. In fact, I'm like 99% sure we've talked about that on this yeah. podcast before, Sounds but familiar. I smoke weed and I forget things. So <laughs> I don't, I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure that that has happened. And then he was just like, well, guess I've got to write some new ones. And yeah. They, yeah. Made, they made a hundred million fresh. dollars more. Well, yep. Megan, does that, is that intimidating to ever think like, I'm going to go back to like number 487 and try to like, listen to that or at some point are you just like I just have to keep moving forward with with writing well it's that's the funny part is because sometimes I don't go back and listen to I like I I hardly ever go back to my old ones yeah Yeah. and like I'm just scrolling through right now and I think I have ones back to like gosh oh I'm looking here okay 2010 is when they start so my god please back that up I know right for everyone listening I know I'm pretty sure they've been backed up in the past year yeah. Um, but there's definitely been, you know, I'm not backing it up every week, but, um, yeah. I'm but sure if I go back used and to make it to. so much easier. Like it used to be that when I would plug my phone into my computer, iTunes would just back up all my voice memos. Right. But at a certain point it stopped doing that and they made it like harder. I'll also add that I started using music memos instead of voice memos, really? which is another Apple app mm. and music memos is cool because it has AI built in. So, um, you know, it just records like like voice memos does, but it also has accompaniment, so it'll listen to what you've put into it. And if, as long as you're like reasonably close to being in some sort of time, you can layer in drums and bass oh, wow. to accompany what you wow, put in there. Yeah. Um, and I've actually gotten some pretty decent ideas where I like didn't know what the rhythm should be, and then I and then I put it in there. I was like, oh, this is actually double time from what I was hearing in my head, but this is cooler. AI this drummers is my plug are for the so music good. memos. Yeah. These days, like the I don't know if you use the or have ever used the drummer um, instrument in Logic. It's just I like, have not. It's I like haven't a track. used it yet. Yeah, it's like I mean, it's like a software AI drummer, and you like choose your player. Like they all oh, have yeah. names. Garage Band. It's the same. Thing. <laughs> they have yeah. different like fonts. Like it has like their signatures underneath. It's kind of funny. That's uh-huh. hilarious. But um, literally, you choose your drummer, and then there's like this. Uh, you can kind of like fine tune exactly how they're playing and it, it but it's actually like ai like it it yeah is like an mm-hmm. ai drummer and well um, since it's all apple i would imagine it's all it's probably the same exact technology because yeah. you know this yeah. music memos app is also like a native ios thing although it doesn't come with the phone you have to download it but it is an actual apple product mm-hmm. so yeah i bet mm-hmm. it i bet it's very similar yeah i think i've used it for like hi-hats and stuff like you know random percussion yeah. things because oh, yeah. it is it has like just just enough like humanization kind of to it that 
honestly in a mix it doesn't really like you know suggest that it's a loop right away oh absolutely well, I, I you heard it here first folks yeah start using that that drummer plugin on logic shit it's really kind of makes me want to switch back to logic one of these days yeah all right well dave hell of a dave's doc man hey thanks good, i'm good, glad i sparked some here. conversation on that one just to remind yes, you sir. listeners uh it's called don't look back and it's about bob dylan nice i don't know if we ever said that maybe we did Who i think knows? i said at the very beginning or something but i yeah. think so too all right cool let's go to the riff library here i'm gonna i'm gonna get a little more modern so this is where every week i talk about one of my favorite records that um you know i i own on vinyl and uh this week we are gonna take it back to a record that came out and i didn't realize this uh it came out the day after my birthday in 2018 831 2018 and that is joy as an act of resistance by the band idols idols oh. is in my opinion, um, probably—I don't know if I'm going to make a bold statement. Perhaps the most important rock band on the planet currently, oh, uh, wow. in my in, from my perspective. Uh, and they have a new record that comes out today, uh, which is Friday. Um, this will come out on Monday, so that record will be out already. And I don't have it yet on vinyl. It is pre-ordered and will be here tomorrow. So I can't talk about it yet. But That's I can awesome. talk about my favorite record of theirs. Uh, again, uh, came out in 2018 produced by space mixed by nick lanay who i you know honestly i hadn't really spent much time learning about mr nicholas lanay in the past but that dude has mixed fucking everything his yeah. his wikipedia page is nuts like how many records that i love were mixed by that guy go go check it out um but joy is an act of resistance there i mean to call them a post-punk band is pretty reductive but i feel like it at least gets you sort of in the right ballpark yeah um it's really raw and and energetic um they i was just it's kind of funny i was just talking about how, how much i don't pay attention to lyrics although on this record i absolutely did because it is a sort of very like surface level you might listen to it and expect it to be this like sort of meat-headed kind of lunky you know neck neck beard punk music but it's super <laughs> super aware it's like a lot of it's about racism and toxic masculinity uh immigration they're british so a lot of it's about brexit um it's this like just this focused rage uh song to song they're, they're still catchy songs too don't get me wrong and, mm -hmm. and i think one of my favorite things though about the band is that it's, it's a, a dual guitar band but they do not approach guitar like a standard dual guitar band it's, it's way more about tones and, and effects and rhythms and, and syncopation than just like you know ripping leads or anything like that um and, it, and you know it is pretty heavy and loud and brash music but they're both using for the most part almost all single coils it's like strats and tellies Tellies, and, yeah. and maybe a jazz master and a mustang here and there um my other one of one other thing that i wanted to make sure i mentioned about them is that so they're just absolutely incredible live and unfortunately they're kind of getting to the place now where they're only going to be playing big venues like the last time they came to chicago they played lincoln hall which is badass mm -hmm. it's like a mid-sized venue but now at this point you know they've done Lollapalooza and uh reading and all these all the big festivals so they're only gonna be playing big venues from here on out but um their one guitar player uh is always in his underwear. Like I've, I've seen them a number <laughs> of times live, live videos and he's always playing his underwear. And I just found out in doing research for this, that that motherfucker is a dentist. Really? Like this dude what? is a must has a mustache and tattoos and plays constantly in his underwear. Like, Always in his box of briefs. Fantastic. And the dude's a dentist, which, which I just think is like <laughs> oh the coolest goodness. thing ever. Um, so, yes, I'm going to call them Henry's most important band right now. Um, and I would also like to say, to give a little callback to a previous episode where I talked about uh, the band Refused oh, yeah. and their record Shape of Punk to Come. And I believe 
I'm just going to put this out there that when in 1998 refused was imagining the shape of punk to come idols was the band that they were imagining. Ah, I love Boom. that. I love that man. And, and can I do a quick, uh, uh, full circle on that one day we, we were doing the uh, podcast I guess it was I guess it would have been last summer and I was at your place and um, for those who don't know when when Lollapalooza comes to town I don't go but I stream the entire thing from my living room because they have HD yeah. cameras on all the stages and it's it's super fun and I, I said to you I said idols is coming on at like seven or whatever and so I remember we did the podcast and you were like definitely watch that and I, th- I think I remember texting you that day May- might have yep. even sent you some photos to like show you that I was watching but I have not seen them live live but I did watch their performance on Lala technically live and they fucking ripped so uh, yes. I would I would back that up too absolutely yeah they've even done I mean they're, they're kind of all over the place now too even despite being like you know they play with full stacks and shit they did a, an NPR tiny dust uh, tiny dust yeah. concert they were still pretty cool uh, and, and, and the dude was definitely, st- I don't actually, you know, I don't know if he was in his underwear. He was topless. You know what? I think he, I think he had on, um, leggings, like he had uh, on like yoga, yoga pants. He had to, he had to cover it up a no little shirt. bit for the, uh, for just the a NPR. little bit for the NPR <laughs> office. You're, you're in the tiny desk sessions. You got to give a little respect, I guess. I, I understand that. It sounds so, comfortable, so honestly. You, yeah. I, I, I would absolutely wear, I, in fact, maybe I should just finally buy some tights. And you got the legs for it, man. You got guy. those, you got those long legs. You could do it. These are the money makers down here. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta accentuate these things somehow for sure. All right. Well, sick. If, yeah. Anybody who hasn't already, if you're all at all interested in anything that I just said, please check out idols. I can't, I can't say enough about how much I love that band. Sick. All right. That was Riff Library. Now we are going to we're going to turn it over to Megan here because that is enough of us. Let's get into it. On it. And we're, and we're going to start with what we usually call a couple two-tree randos. And that's where I ask you a couple two-tree rando questions. Okay. Get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, so here you go. If you could swap places with any band member, any band, past or present, living or dead, no matter what your talent level is or theirs, who would that be and why? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So band only kind of, well, all right. So my, my initial reaction is there's this, this band around an artist named Emily King, who's out of, um, I think Brooklyn, New York, and they are like the tightest band I've ever heard. And I, the guitar player I think is kind of like the brainchild of like the production and everything. Um, but I think I would want to be that guitar player or at least play next to him yeah like or just be even if I was playing like the triangle in that band I think I would be like really happy (laughs) um but yeah that's that's actually like I have all of her records on vinyl and tell um, me her name again Emily King Emily King I can't wait to check that out and honestly check out like I mean her albums are amazing too but they have I think like an audio tree like live session I think on um YouTube and like when you listen to it, it's like, how is this not like quantized? It's so right. in the pocket. It's insane. Damn. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my, that's my first initial reaction. I'm sure if I thought about it longer, um, <laughs> there'd probably be more, but yeah. That's a well, good one. Well, that, next time we have you on, we'll, we'll ask okay. you this question again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I love that because A, you had, you had good rationale and B, because I just have never even heard of this person and it's someone that I get to check out. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, who, who was your first concert? Hanson, 1995. Yeah. <laughs> Bad ass. Like, who, well, who's your favorite Hanson member? Ooh, yeah. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think at the time it was like everyone had a, had a crush on Taylor. 
which was like yes, the middle one. Right. Um, I don't, I think they're still making music. Like I think they're like adults now and have, and yeah. still have the band. Um, they're grown up, they're grown ups and they, and they, um, they have a brewery mm-hmm. uh, from what I know. And I wow. think it's called, I believe, I believe it's called mm beer, but that might just be wishful <laughs> thinking. Oh, that would be great. I honestly might've just made that up. <laughs> to be fair though. So I was five and it was 1995. My mom took me to the concert. I was like, you know, obsessed with Hanson and I'd never been cool to mom. a concert. It, I know, right? it was like at a stadium and, um, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And we had like floor seats and like, I couldn't see really. And it was really loud. And I like started crying like three songs. <laughs> like, like I was really uncomfortable. <laughs> Like it was just a lot of people and a lot of noise. And like, I think in my head, I thought like the concert would be like, oh, it's just like them in a room and I get to stand there and watch them. And it was like this loud thing and I couldn't really see. And so um, I started crying and my mom took me outside and we listened to the rest of the concert on uh on like the hood of the car in the Uh, parking lot. Sweet though. (laughs) Because it was like an outdoor stadium. Of course, I'm sure the tickets were not cheap. So no, yeah, mom was like, God damn it. Yeah, I know. Well, also, I, when you said crying, I was picturing like you know Beatles at Shea Stadium. Like, no, girls crying. I was like, so was every other girl in the crowd. You know? <laughs> no, it was more like panic attack crying, probably. Oh, okay. <laughs> a, well, you were a five. Child. That's a that's, yeah. yeah. That's very young. Yeah, for okay. sure. So all right. Well, so that's that's. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it wasn't to 1995. But right. if you had a time machine, mm-hmm. where would you go, and what gear would you buy? Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> I would go to the, hmm, I think 70s, probably. Okay. Only because I have like, I have a few pieces of gear from the 70s that I'm like, I love. Um, I have. I'm listening. A, what do you got? I have a Neumann KM84, which is. Nice. Um, this kind of I've got a I've got a 184 so no no okay. 84 yet for me so it's like yeah I think that's it's like the same shape of that it's like the yep. small diaphragm or yeah condenser totally and um and I love it it sounds like amazing on like any acoustic um instrument pretty much and um I actually bought that from I feel like I can only like talk about this information on like a gear podcast it's like amazing <laughs> that's um, why we have you on yeah, but I, I bought it from uh, Frank Sinatra Jr.'s like estate sale or something. Holy shit. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't think, I feel like he just had like a lot of microphones that didn't get used because like when well, I got it, it was like, um, you know, it was in plastic still, like in the case. That's amazing. Oh, wow. so, New, old New old stock. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. There's that famous old picture of him. I, I don't remember if it's at Capitol, but he's singing into a 47. Um, but I don't know if I've ever seen him with an, with an 84 before. Well, I think this was, so this is Frank Sinatra Jr. So this was like yeah, his, sure. but I don't, I don't know, maybe, you know, wishful thinking that it was used on something like cool, but, um, into it. yeah, right. All right so, you, so what else, what other seventies gear do you have? Um, so I, I have this, um, Yuri, I guess U R E I yeah. said, um, 1176. That's like oh, the revision yes. F that. So is that blackface then? It is blackface, and yeah, um, yeah I had I had a, a, like a warm audio for the longest time, like mm-hmm. um, recreation. But um, I was over at Ocean Way Studios. Um, oh, here, wowzers. yeah. Well, my friend. So my friend um, 
used to like engineer there. And so mm-hmm. I went over one morning like really early and we were just like shooting out gear. Um, and we were, I think we ran like, it was like this vintage like M49 mic through uh, mm-hmm. an 11, like a vintage 1176. And I was like, I'd never heard something so gorgeous. Um, so I kind of just like earmarked some pieces of gear and and that was one and then I finally um bought one on reverb probably five years ago and honestly I think it was, was a good it, investment was it for? yeah <laughs> I think it's worth more now but um oh yeah it sounds amazing it's great although probably if I was in the time machine um with the gear it would still like I wonder if the gear I'm, I'm imagining it sounded the same like yeah. new but um, unless unless you age with the time machine when you come back <laughs> the gear wouldn't age so i think you'd be all right yeah you know there's there's some logistics to work out but i think yeah we're gonna have some <laughs> interstellar <laughs> that, you know that is truly an interesting wrinkle to consider though because so much of what we perceive as warmth or all of this these these adjectives that we ascribe to vintage gear so yeah. much of that is because the caps have started to yeah. go and like the values ha- ha- have gone yeah. out on what they t- they used to be so it's like would it set would it would it be as cool i don't know would it just sound I brand might, new it might even be cooler yeah, yeah. yeah who knows yeah, I have no let's, idea. Let's make a time machine. <laughs> Go find out. Uh, th- this is normally where I ask you a question that our previous guest asked, but I'm going to be honest. That question that Sean, um, by the way, go listen to the episode with Sean O'Keefe. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. Okay. The dude just like, amazing. Oh, God, he, uh, and, and not just you, Megan, I'm saying anybody who hasn't listened to it yet. Holy yeah. crap. So much, so much cool stuff to learn in that episode. Just, you know, platinum records and Grammys and whatever. But um, he asked this question uh, that honestly, I don't an- understand. Okay. So I decided not to to ask because it was something about, I don't know, it was basically about setting levels with a mix, but using certain protocols. And, and honestly, he's just like, so like if, if Sean O'Keefe didn't know the answer to it, I don't think <laughs> okay. anybody that we're going to ever talk to is ever going to know the answer. He asked a question that he actually wanted the answer to. I think that's what Yeah, happened. right. Exactly. Like he was actually He's like, curious. I'm just hoping someone else can tell, <laughs> tell me what the answer to this is. Um, Mixed protocols. So mm-hmm. I'm going to ask another question that, um, that a previous guest had asked because I'm just always interested in the conversation. Um, and that is uh, EQ before or after compression. Ooh, that's a good question. I do both. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'll use like a very kind of clean graphic EQ. Like if there's like a frequency, for example, my voice sometimes, um, and also because like the proximity effect, I try to like take out 250, 300 a little bit before it hits the compressor just give it like a little dip there or else it gets, I don't know, like that's what gets what triggers the compression, you know, exactly, and that, that's yeah. not like what I want. So I'll, I'll use like subtractive EQ, I guess, before mm-hmm. compression. And then I'll use like the additive, you know, maybe like a Poltec emulation to afterwards. Beef it up a, li- a little bit or something. Yeah. Just kind of like give it some shine, you know, I was, I think we were actually even talking about this last week, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that I put, a Poltec on every single thing that I ever do ever. It's just like, Same. I can't even, <laughs> even if I don't, even if I don't actually engage any of the booster attenuation, just like turning that plugin on makes things sound cooler. Mm-hmm. I think I saw like uh, a video one, I forget what mixer it was, but it was, it's probably like a mix with the masters type thing, but um, mm-hmm. he literally would put it on and then he would attenuate and then like add the same amounts. <laughs> like it was like, but just that, yeah made like such a difference and I think I've seen people who like will run it through and it's not even doing anything like they don't even have 
any frequencies that are adding yeah. and taking away. You just, you just turn it on. Yeah. And, and those transformers do a thing that people, we, we have probably been conditioned to like, it's not inherently good, but because we've heard it so mm-hmm. much, like we just all have decided that it's, it's like a 57. We're all used to how 57 yeah. sound now. So we decide that's what you should have on a snare drum or whatever. Right. It's probably similar with Poltec, but man, I'll tell you what, if I could, if I, yeah, if I, if I had the time machine thing, my answer to the time machine thing is to go to the future. But really if I was going to oh, go to the past, it would be one. to go back and buy a bunch of fucking Poltec. Like that's that's I want a f- I want sixteen of those things. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just finding like the right the perfect year. That would be the hard part. That you know. is the hard part. Sequential serial numbers and all <laughs> but that. But everything shit that was care so about. cheap back then. Apparently, like I feel like on gear sluts or like websites online, yeah. you'll there'll be like some old people that are like, oh yeah, I bought that for like three hundred dollars back in the day, and you're just like, yeah, what? I got that for a shekel, and, <laughs> and a then they sold it, nickel. sold it and for the, like you know six hundred dollars or something like. That. Yeah. I sold it to get Doubled my my EDAT rig. <laughs> It's so true. But I, um, yeah, I'll use yeah. that. I like Poltec, I feel like. But I, for a while, I, I moved to using um, the MOG. I think it's an EQ4. Mm-hmm. Um, I was using that quite a bit for that, like, yeah. post-compression. Is that, I've never boost. known how to pronounce that word. Is it? Is it? It's MOG? M-A-A-G? I've, I've, I've always just been, like, mag with my stupid Chicago I accent. I never, I feel like I never pronounce things right. Um, like, I've, um, have you heard of British audio engineering? They make, like, these... Oh, BAE, of course. Yeah. So I always call them Bay. Because <laughs> they are Bay because they're so fucking awesome. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I call them Bay. And, and then whenever I'm with like an actual audio person, they're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a long running, uh, I don't know if you'd call it argument, but discussion at, in the early days of the show, trying to decide how you say the word piezo. Yeah, oh. because we all said it different piezo, in, in completely piezo. different ways. Piezo, piezo, piezo all yeah. that stuff. Um, but then we actually had like a real life uh, engineer, like a like a professor engineer, not like a audio engineer, explain why it's piezo to us. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah. you know, I'll still say piezo sometimes, but yeah, apparently it's piezo. I realize I've learned so much through like reading that it, it's just however I pronounce it when I read it. You know, right. like in my exactly. head, how your brain hears it. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So I, it's hard to like knock that habit but well and that's i mean that's why i always kind of get and this is like a common thing but i i get a little annoyed when people uh, shit on someone's pronunciation of something because literally all it means is that they're a reader it's like oh that's a bad thing that they read books and and information (laughs) in magazines like that's that's what we're gonna make fun of now get out of here right yeah, and I mean, I'm looking at the BAE or whatever, like yeah. right I'm now, call it and bay that's from now on. We, we I know can call it, it bay. This is a safe space like. to call it bay. <laughs> that's literally what it looks like, you know. Um, I'm like bay actually surprised no one else does that, but whatever. I bet they do, but they're just too ashamed to admit. Yeah, it. Mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, last question here. Uh, what should we ask our next guest? And you don't get to know who that is, but I actually, you know what? I will give you a little bit of a, t- a tease. They also live in Nashville. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. So it can be like anything, like guitar. Anything. Any question. Any, I mean, we've had people go like crude. You know, it, it really, it doesn't matter. What kind of beard do you like? Like it could be anything. <laughs> I would say for someone who lives in Nashville, where the best vintage guitar deals are. I feel like oh, that's deals. really hard. Deals. deals. Yeah, I mean, there's stores. Right. Meaning like there's, there's, there's a lot shops. of like stores in Nashville oh, yeah. that sell vintage guitars but they're they're priced quite high because they know there's a market for them here there's a lot of people on the lookout but um i would love to know some inside secrets 
Well, right. I hope that I, I hope that too. he has some for us. I, and it I, might be like there's he's, none. He's a rip. He's a ripping keyboard player though, so we'll see. Okay. Yeah, he might just be like maybe there's vintage none, we'll find synthesizers. Out. I don't know. Exactly. There we go. All right. Yeah, we'll do it. Sweet. All right. Well. That takes us through a couple two tree randos. Now let's just get to the the real heart of everything here, mm-hmm. Megan. So I want to I want to take it back. Uh, you already obviously mentioned Pennsylvania and uh, being a five year old at Hanson. Is that is that where you grew up? Yeah. So I grew up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, pretty like normal city by all sense. Like there's not a ton of stuff going on. It's mm-hmm. kind of been the same since the seventies. But yeah, I born and raised there, and uh, you know that's where what I went to my the, first uh, shows and stuff. What was the your musical background? How did that? <clears throat> be, obviously, I mean, mom taking you a show at five is a pretty good indicator that there's some sort of music going yeah. on in the family. Um, what was your uh, background like there? So, like, neither of my parents are musicians, really. Um, really? Yeah, no, I was. Music was very. Um, like it was kind of this ethereal thing. Like I, I didn't know anything about it. I loved it. I knew that, that I really liked it. Never really thought I had like a knack for it or anything, but I like, I played violin when you pick an instrument in like the fourth grade or whatever. Yeah, and right. I was yeah. so bad. Orchestra. Like I was so <laughs> bad. I never practiced. I was always like, they would put me like second to last chair, you know, I, I was definitely not my forte and, um, so it's like an orchestra and stuff, but, um, I found an acoustic guitar in my, uh, grandmother's basement and cool. I like convinced my parents to let me like take it home and it was a 12 string. Um, so wow. we got, <laughs> well, we got, we got six of the strings like removed. So I played it right, like exactly. a regular guitar, but it was super like wide, like all the strings were super far apart. Yeah, of course. <laughs> And so I just kind of, I started taking lessons, which I was surprised at because I was so bad at like practicing. I'm surprised my parents were like, you know, not discouraging. Let's sink some money into this. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Do you, um, I mean, we've got to ask, it's GearBuds. Do you still have that guitar? I don't. It was from, I think it was kind of not really like a brand name or anything. And it was, it was from Mm -hmm. the seventies and not well taken care, taken care of, but I eventually sold it to go towards a Martin guitar that I purchased later in uh, high school so <laughs> and I think I got like $300 for it, it wasn't like uh it wasn't a highly sought after guitar by any means but hey yeah. 300 that's for, a good deal you know, an old, an old <laughs> yeah, string from the basement a, that's a know, pretty solid sell. I thought it was like yeah. a silver tone or something you're gonna like say I got I, 50 bucks for it gosh I don't even remember the brand of it honestly um but yeah so I, I had that guitar and really just kind of fell in love with it I would just try to learn like all my favorite songs and um I had a cousin who was like this monster pet like player he played a lot of like um lots of like finger picking finger picking and like Django Reinhardt stuff he was really into like gypsy jazz and things like that and um so I would always go and like he he was much older than me and he would really take time and just jam with me all the time and I definitely like accredit that you know giving me the space to kind of explore and and things like that Totally. Do you, um, I mean, obviously we, again, we already, we already mentioned Hanson and you've, and you've brought up players (laughs) like Tommy Emanuel and and Django. I mean, were there, do you remember back, were there certain artists or or musicians or bands or anything that you were like, this is what I like, this is the coolest thing. This is what I want to learn how to play. So I was listening to like a lot of singer songwriters at the time. So like, uh, and like female singer songwriters were like rocking it at the end of the nineties, like early two thousands. <laughs> like oh, was, yeah. there was like Cheryl Crow and yeah. Amy Mann. And you know, so I was really listening to a lot of that. Um, 
I remember like I, I didn't have like a ton of people that I knew that played the guitar. So I it was really like um I really kind of felt ignorant to a lot of that stuff. I remember I had a I met a friend in junior high who came over to my house. He also played guitar. And I had a little Fender Squire electric guitar set that I had gotten for Christmas that never played, like I never played it. I only really played the acoustic guitar. And he pressed the gain button on my amp and I literally thought he like broke my amp. <laughs> like I didn't even know, <laughs> I didn't even know there was a gain button on the amp. Yeah. So yeah, I was, you know, it was a learning process. And honestly, I, I wasn't, I didn't listen to a ton of, um, guitar like I felt like I like discovered Jimi Hendrix really late and mm-hmm. um like a lot of these like Stevie Ray Vaughan like a lot of these great players I feel like I discovered super late but mm-hmm. um which is funny because I actually ended up at the end of this I ended up going to school for guitar um like I played a lot and then um I ended up going to a like an arts high school um nice. and and did a lot of like classical guitar there and then came to Nashville to study at Belmont University. Okay, so, um cool. and I, I I guess in high school I was really into um I actually was getting really into like that experimental like tapping guitar stuff like Michael Hedges and um there's this uh-huh, artist yes. named Khaki King. Um love Khaki King. Yes. We've talked about her on the show mm-hmm. and Michael Hedges for that matter. Yeah, so I saw her like in high school and it was like man, it was so cool and and I think also just like seeing a female guitar player was whoa, you know, that like really yeah. just kind of mm-hmm. like killed it was sure. you know, cuz I I definitely had seen like female singer-songwriters but to see like an instrumentalist just like slay it was super cool. Um, well, and it's also super cool that now, <clears throat> and here I get to um, probably just slightly embarrass you a little bit, but I, I would be willing to bet that there is now a generation of girls coming up that get to see you totally ripping on guitar because anybody that yeah. hasn't heard Megan I hope before so. doesn't know and don't know, like you, Megan rips, you rip on guitar. So well, like you, there, you get to now carry that along to others. And, and, and you know, it's funny that um, you brought up the like sort of like tapping and more experimental guitar players thing because I did my myself a little deep dive oh, and yeah. I went back and I saw your first YouTube video. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and that is you t- playing this like crazy open tapping. I don't know if it was in some sort of open tuning. I couldn't really tell. Yeah. But I have to ask because you're playing, uh, I would say, stylistically similar and on a PRS. Mm-hmm. Are you a fan of Minus the Bear? Oh yeah, I love Minus the Bear, of course. Uh, because I, as I was watching that, I was like, "This is like some Dave Knudsen stuff right yeah. here." Yeah, no, I remember. I, I definitely listened to a lot of them in um, in high school, and yeah, like it's amazing. I think at the time too, I, I, I was like a broke college student and stuff. So like, yeah, you know, I didn't really have any money for like amps or pedals and stuff. So like Minus the Bear does so much with just like this clean tone, you know? Mm-hmm. And um and same with these like experimental acoustic guitar players. They're not really using they're not relying on much gear at all. So that to me was like totally attainable as as opposed to some other people where it was like they had a lot of pedals and and I could see myself being like, oh man, I don't have those pedals. Like sure. <laughs> I don't have, granted, <laughs> I mean, Minus the Bear uses a lot of pedals too, but I think. Yeah, like, I think he uses four DL4s DL4s, at, at this yeah. point. <laughs> four. <laughs> exactly, he'll, he'll like dance on top of them. But um, uh-huh. but yeah, I think, uh, you know, that was kind of what drew me to that, to that totally. stuff. 
it's it's also really interesting now because you know of course going back that was like what probably maybe 10 years ago or something that you posted mm-hmm. that video yeah. and and now just to see the transition uh from from that which was just like you know whatever I don't even know if it was an iPhone, like whatever sort of like crummy yeah. cell phone footage now to these like beautiful productions. Oh, it was actually on the computer. Yeah, even I think, yeah, I think I just had my MacBook with me in a practice room at, at college. And I used to videotape myself because that's the only way I could remember like what I was doing. <laughs> like when I was yeah. like composing these like little, these little random things, so I would just, you know video them oh myself i still do that we were talking about voice memos i we don't need to talk too much about me but i play in a weird tuning yeah. and and it's hard for me to remember what shapes and stuff i was doing so at this point like if it's a guitar part that i'm coming up with i'm busting out my ipad and recording a video of it otherwise i won't remember how to play yeah it. same same so i noticed that and then the next video after that I believe was like the prop a year later you in a food court with your sister yeah. <laughs> uh, playing like a mall or something. Yeah. I don't even remember exactly what that was. Like it was like a food court thing. Um, I, at the time I was very shy, like incredibly shy. I like could not sing in public and I used to drag my sister places and make her sing while I played guitar. Um, occasionally I would book a show like thinking I would, sing and then I would get too nervous and be like actually Jacqueline can you sing all of my songs <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so I just played guitar while she she sang a song and someone like filmed it while we were doing well, it th- this is a bit of a running thing in the show here we love us some family bands yep. there's just like oh, and we talked about Hanson something earlier. <laughs> about I don't there's just like this musical connection there that is. you get with siblings or family that I just, I don't know. I, you can't get any other way. So I, mm-hmm. I would just like to talk about that even a little bit. I mean, obviously you're both super talented singers. Like, was it, was it really just you forcing your sister to get, to get started or, or was there a little more to it? Yeah. I mean, I, I was always kind of pulling her in when I was like experimenting with like harmonies. Like it it just felt also like experimental back in those days. Like, Oh, what, what if we did, like if I did this and then someone did mm-hmm. this and, there was no like goal or anything. It was just, she was the person I jammed with a lot. Yeah. And she loves singing. So it really, really, <laughs> we always laugh because I feel like back then, like her like career goal was to just go on American Idol and get famous. Like <laughs> if you asked her like what she wanted to do, it was like, I just want to go on like American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, which is extra funny now because now she's, um, she went to PA school. She kind of like decided against, um, doing music full-time which is um surprising to a lot of people just because you know we she definitely could choose to do music full-time um she has like enough of kind of like a following and and you know makes enough money at it but um she just ultimately decided it it wasn't really for her um which well hopefully you can still keep uh, bringing her into your videos oh yeah that's your channel that's definitely something that because that's she kind of just realized she wanted to keep it like as a hobby mm-hmm. and she had done some like touring with me you know she's seen she's seen kind of the lifestyle I guess and and she just realized it wasn't like what she wanted to do all the time and yeah, um, for sure. yeah that's fair and there's nothing to say you can't come back around to it later yeah right exactly well. and you know there's definitely a point where I was like kind of sad about that because mm-hmm. you know we do we are like sisters and it's there is kind of kind of something special about that but, um, you know, at the same time, I do think it's extra hard being a musician these days just with like social media. And there's just there's like all these other like requirements that yeah. are yep. a part of the job that 
I don't. I mean, maybe they were like a part of the job twenty years ago, but um, it's not really what you yeah. signed up for in the first place, right? Yeah, like when you were like envisioning. I think when I was like envisioning the idea of what a musician is, it's not exactly that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, absolutely not. And, and let, let's be honest. When when we all of us on this call right now were. We're, we're doing that and practicing as kids like social media didn't exist right yeah. so we couldn't have known back then record labels still had money and they had AR people and they had <laughs> teams of people like design where their job was to do all this stuff yep. and now part of being a musician if you want to be an active professional quote-unquote musician you have to take on all those jobs yourself otherwise no one will ever even hear about oh you. yeah oh yeah and i mean part of that's because there's just not like i mean back in the day and i only know this because Nashville is like this historic industry town and so like when you hear people talk about like the industry back in the day like the amount of money in it was insane totally people would take like A&R agents would take like private jets to just go like see a band play yeah you know like that's how they would throw money around like we're talking just like tens hundreds of millions like probably what the tech industry is nowadays was like the music industry back then and so they kind of did just hire people to do every little thing and and do it well and um nowadays you have to wear like a lot of hats and mm-hmm. yeah. just you know for better well, or for you worse, happen to you be know? very good at it clearly evidently i try you, you definitely figured something out <laughs> i try you definitely uh, start to feel like because i feel like at a certain point you also have to recognize when someone's when to give other people that job you know, like, sure. um, like when I was trying to figure out who I wanted to tour with, you know, I ultimately decided to bring another guitar player out, um, which, and sometimes he's like, he's the one shredding and I am not. And I actually I would say most of the time he's the one like <laughs> killing it on guitar. And, but I also realized by having someone be able to cover a lot of things, I can kind of focus on like performing and singing and, you know, and I'm still playing the entire time, but, um, of course. Yeah, your fans probably. I'm sure there's a sub a segment of them that are there to see you know you shred some guitar, but it yeah. realistically <laughs> it's probably more about the songs and the performance and right. your voice and that there's whole thing. There's just so and many you, things. And you can, yeah, and you can and you can allow the mental space for someone else just to worry about like the really hard technical guitar stuff when you're doing all the other shit that you've got to do. Right, as the and I mean, I personally, TJ who plays with me, I personally love watching him play. So like, <laughs> you know, if anything, I just get to watch him play sometimes. Um, yeah. But even better. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean like that's, you know, it's just, it, there's so much more, uh, involvement at every level I feel like than there used to be, but I, I don't know for sure, but that's kind of like, that's my, um, that's, that, that's what it appears to be to me. So I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think we agree there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. we were talking about, you in school and like shooting Mm -hmm. this video on the PRS shred and some tapping licks and stuff. But I think at least from my perspective, I think it seems like you're, you're, you're definitely known more as an acoustic player Mm -hmm. um, and performer. So like what sort of, what was the evolution there? I mean, was that a conscious decision to, to sort of embrace more of the acoustic thing or, or how did, how did that happen? Yeah. So I've always kind of been like very much an acoustic player. Um, I love my Martin guitars. I have to give a shout out. Um, yeah. because what kind of, what Martins are you playing? Um, so my first one was a triple O 28. I love the, like the smaller body ones. Cool. Um, Finger style, finger picking stuff. Yeah. Like, and, uh, I mean, I have a, an HD 28 
as well mm-hmm. that's like I'll use for recording, but there's something like way more comfortable about like a smaller body Martin Martin guitar. And then um, I have a, it's like a Sean Colvin model from like 2002 that was okay. given to me. And they only made, um, they only made like, like 120 of them, I think. Um, Ooh, very yeah. limited. I love that. Yeah, right. But the the story of it is a neighbor of mine from down the street from back home in Pennsylvania where I grew up um, collected Martin guitars. And um, I was friends with As his son. As the home son. of Martin? That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, I was friends with his son. And honestly, I hadn't seen that family in forever and I was home on tour for like two days and my mom was like hey like Mr. Stuck from down the street wants to like bring something by for you and I was like what and he came by with this like amazing Martin guitar that was part of his collection that he was like I just wanted to get played and like you're on the road and like I'm just super proud of someone you know going somewhere from like this community and that's beautiful gave me this Martin guitar yeah like probably I think which my guitar player TJ, who was with me, like always jokes that I was visited by the guitar fairy. Um, <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, yeah. He was like, "Why? When am I? When's the guitar fairy gonna visit me?" Um, but literally, uh, yeah. I I think about how I need to like pay that forward at some point in my life. So that's that's well, actually I think my. It sounds primary like you kind of are. I, like I was gonna he, say this. You're, you're doing you're doing what he what he wants that guitar to do. So I think that you kind of are. I mean, I, I see what so. you're saying. Like maybe being in a position to give someone else a guitar someday or something like yeah. that. That'd be pretty badass. Yeah, for sure. But like that's that's actually my like primary guitar now. So that's the one I I'll pull if I if I want to play you know anything these days. Totally. But yeah, those are my Martins. That's my little collection. So, I mean, obviously a lot of the time that <clears throat> I think in, in your audience and in your, uh, and your, and your fame comes from these, uh, mashups and covers and that sort of thing that, mm-hmm. that you've been doing for a while too. So, um, I want to get into that a little bit and just talk about first, I think, you know, <clears throat> what's the process like when you're, when you're deciding to, to come up with a new arrangement or cover or mashup or how, whatever it's going to be like, what is, do you have, do you have a sort of established process for that? Or is it just like, Oh, I heard this song and I want to record it. Um, it's changed, I would say over the years. So when we first started doing the covers on the channel, um, I was working like this nine to five where I made like $9 an hour and I was just, I was so broke all the time. Like, mm-hmm. and I was just looking for an out. Like I was basically sitting on Excel all day, <laughs> like, you know, and I would listen to right. podcasts. I would listen to music all day and just get super pumped up to go home and work on music. But I was just, I, I just wanted an out so badly. And so when we posted that first video, which was kind of like just a fun side project, I never actually thought it would get the views that it did, but I think it got like 5,000 views or something, which, you know, I was like, whoa, that's like, that's like a big step up from anything I'd done. And, um, and I just remember like I shared it on my Facebook page and then, um, like, you know, like a friend shared it and then a friend of a friend who I didn't know shared it. And I was seeing that type of stuff Mm. happen. And I was like, there was something that kind of just went off in my brain that was like, huh, that's interesting. I've never seen, like, I've always, shared like little songs and projects I've bands and that I you know recordings I've worked on and things like that mm-hmm. you know and family would be supportive and stuff but I'd never seen the share of the share <laughs> happen the people before. you don't know that are actually yeah passing on. yeah that's a big deal so that was kind of like I think the first sign so when I started so 
the first video got like 5,000 views and I was like, whoa, like, okay. And I was just kind of sensing something happening. So it was just cranking them out from that on. Like I was just <laughs> like, like the next one we did got you know, 15,000 views and the next one got like 30,000 views. And like, and then it's kind of started snowballing where like six months later. And at that point, I think I was doing, I was releasing one, like, like two a month maybe, which was a lot considering I was like working full time. And, uh, and these are like music videos. So, you know, they're produced and filmed and edited and I was doing all of that. So, um, and you know, then by six months, like I was getting, um, like half a million views on, on these videos. And, um, and it it was a little bit strategic. I think back then, like I, I saw it going and I was just like, you know, like, let's see how like much we can get it. And, Mm -hmm. and I, I just really wanted to get out of my like shitty job and I don't know if I can swear, but, um, Oh, you can, Uh, I think I've said fuck like, I said fuck like, okay, Okay, cool. (laughs) Good to know. Um, but yeah, I just, I wanted out so badly. And, um, so I was like, there was a bit of like, okay, what's like Katy Perry's coming out with a record. What do I think the, the single's going to be? And how can we be the first ones to do a cover of it? Oh, that's awesome. And, um, and then like, how can we make it like interesting? And, and that was like, literally we did a cover called dark horse, which I think was like one of our are more popular ones and I actually have this like capo move that I do in it like in the first like like minute of it where I start at like capo seven and then I drop down to like uh you know not using a capo but it's like a really fast switch um, that's hard to do it's really hard yeah it's 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 a little bit of like a it was kind of a trick in a way but um yeah I think like it just kind of pulled people in and 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 it worked so um yeah, it was very much strategic. And then once it kind of got to a point like a year and a half later where I was like, okay, I'm making enough that I'm, I can, you know, quit my job and do this, um, which was something to celebrate in its own, you know, way. But, um, yeah. Real quick, it, when you say uh, making enough, is that strictly just from like, uh, YouTube advertisements or was yeah, that sponsors so YouTube, and getting that kind of placement? Yeah. Stuff? YouTube. And then I would, I would put them on like iTunes and Spotify and, yeah. and all that stuff. So like the, and I was like, I'm definitely like a pretty, um, financially conservative person. So I really waited until I was like, you know, I, I had friends who quit their jobs like a lot sooner than um (laughs) (laughs) but I was just like so nervous I like definitely did not want to have to move home because I couldn't like afford things and so I I probably waited a little bit longer than most so at once I finally quit my job and you know was doing it long enough where I'm like okay I'm I'm financially stable then it became more of a question of like all right what do I want to do? <laughs> like what mm-hmm. creatively am I excited about and mm-hmm. less about what's, what's the big song, you know? And, and also like algorithms change, like back then search results were just like everything. And, you know, so getting on those, um, those like initial covers, like of, of songs that were coming out were, you know, was definitely like a solid strategy. I don't even know if that's like, yeah, like it was more anymore. time-based back then where they were like, if you were the first person to cover it and you got some views, you could float to the top kind of thing. Yeah, right? and you would be like, if someone searched, you know, the name of the song, then right. you'd come up sometimes before the actual artist, which is kind wow. of crazy. That, is um, you know, th- yeah. that actually br- reminds me of something I want to ask you. Have you, 
what's the process like in terms of clearing, getting clearance to record these things? Like, have you dealt with any yeah, artists yeah. who absolutely did not want you recording their covers? Like, have you any, anything so that's happened with, with that side of it things? It gets a little like, I mean, this can get very like businessy, but um, if you're curious, this, yeah, um, yeah. so technically once a song is actually released, you, anyone has the legal right to cover it. Um, for, for, is that fair use then? So it's not fair use. It's it, it's a compulsory license. So um, that's like, you know, you can go to so many websites online and basically what they do is they just notify, like you're really just required to send a notification to like an NOI to the parties and, and then you're supposed to pay like a percentage of, or like a fixed amount. It's like 9.1 cents per sale and all this stuff, but it's it's technically compulsory. Like they can't say you can't cover this. Um, sure. If you change the lyrics or if like it's used in like a political way, for example, then they can be like, no, 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 like don't right. do that. <laughs> but uh, if you're just covering the song, you do like they can't say no to that. You just have to notify them and like pay them the the royalties. However, it gets a little bit gray um, when you're talking about video stuff because the video laws that exist at the moment and haven't been changed are all about like, like film TV shows. Right. So Mm -hmm. there's like, you know, there'll be like three people at a publishing company that are in charge of like negotiating, like, okay, Grey's Anatomy wants to use this song and they'll, they'll negotiate how much for that. But in reality, YouTube, there's so many videos like <laughs> those people are not staffed to handle that. And no, frankly, not. like there's just no really great way to get like these licenses for music videos. So really, it's it's kind of just going under that first thing like, OK, legally, I can cover a song. I can upload a video and then I can claim that copyright of that recording. <laughs> and, you know, the typically YouTube will automatically pick up that it's that song so they'll also be paying the publisher um, yeah, right. automatically and you know so everyone's getting paid <laughs> everyone's notified so I haven't had any issues with that knock on wood <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I think um, it was yeah. and you probably might have even seen it <clears throat> I think it was Rick Beato did a really good video about that kind of stuff because he you know he'll do these videos where it's like digging into multi-tracks for a song and whatever yeah. um, and, and his, his stuff will get taken down all the time and it's to the point where like he'll know he can't even touch anything Led Zeppelin for instance because that'll just immediately get right. taken down and there's some things right. like that well there's have you had have you had anything pulled down I have not um I, I think it's it gets a little dicey with the recordings because the recording yeah, right. copyright if you make something that sounds really like similar like I have a friend Mm. that'll do covers and he basically will recreate the tracks very similar Mm -hmm. and uh and he has trouble with that because the track sounds so similar to like the original version um which means he's great at (laughs) reproducing exactly um but yeah that's that's where it gets dicey because you don't have really the right to use that recording um you know, like it's, there's not like a compulsory license for recordings. So even if you recreated it, like sometimes the, the automatic algorithm will like pick up mm-hmm. the recording and, and, um, and take it down. But as far as just cover like my acoustic covers, which aren't yeah. sonically similar to the original, um, I haven't had any issues with that. So I'm hoping it stays Have that you way. Have had any, um, super i guess on the other side of things any any more positive experiences where any of the artists that you've covered have you know given you any accolades or reached out or anything like that yeah definitely um well it's interesting so once i started kind of having this like following i actually get 
sometimes we'll get asked by record labels to cover songs. Um, oh, awesome. Wow. Yeah, which is super cool. And um, so, so yeah, there's been a few times. And I don't always say yes because sometimes I just don't like the song. <laughs> but, sure, right. um, you know, sometimes I do like it. And then, you know, a lot of times the artist will then, like, comment on it or something. And, you know, I don't, I don't really ever say, like, outright, like, oh, they asked me to do this. But um, sometimes that's the case and it's, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I did get asked to do this... Um, this was like three years ago but do you remember the movie greatest showman like the greatest showman with like hugh jackman it was like this musical oh, yeah. movie uh, yeah, yeah. With like, in it, right? yeah and zach at yeah zach F- efron was in it they had me do a cover of that and then they like i actually got to like fly out do this like video with the cast oh wow where i like sang for them <laughs> yeah it was like promotion <laughs> i i guess when you like have this reach it kind of just opens up to these promotional opportunities and um, and they paid me, which was super cool. And That's then I awesome. got to go to uh, the premiere, which was which was awesome. That's and, so um, fancy. Getting all Hollywood yeah. on us now. Yeah, it was actually it was on a ship in New York. It was like on a like a the Queen Mary or something. Oh, really? Yeah, it was. It was like a crazy experience. That's wild. Yeah, that was like kind of the height, I think, of like all the YouTube buzz. And um, yeah, it was definitely definitely a good memory. But yeah, so there there's been like you know a few different times that I've, I've touched base like with artists and yeah, you know, creatively. And it's cool to like, you know, to see who would have thought that covers would like open those types of doors. Yeah. I, so, and, and that, that kind of brings me to the next thing I want to talk about too, is cause obviously you still write and record your own original music. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anybody would complain about any sort of fame for being a musician, but I do is how do you sort of balance, strike that balance between um, being an artist and musician who, who's expressing your own music and these things, these ideas of your own and writing. And like, in fact, like that bad poetry mm-hmm. stuff, like I really want that fucking bad poetry dad hat. That's like the funniest thing oh, ever. No. I love that. But like how so how do you how do you how do you strike that balance? How do you think about yourself as as a sort of original songwriting artist versus someone that that's putting together these amazing arrangements and covers uh, of other songs that are already written by someone else? Right. I mean, that's like that's kind of the creative challenge and um that was something I realized once I was doing it, you know, for for a while and I kind of achieved that financial stability where it was like, okay, what do I actually want to do? Because for so long, it was like, you know, when every door is like closed to you, like musically, it's like, you know, you just, you just want something to open and just kind of run down it. You're not really like, I didn't even really think about like, in the long run, like, what do I see myself doing creatively? And then Mm -hmm. I just realized, you know, after a few years, I was like, not creatively satisfied. Um, And, you know, I was writing some songs and, and, really trying to like stretch myself a bit and and see like what I wanted to do. And, you know, I, I do have friends that are, you know, big cover artists and they're like totally like cool with that. You know, (laughs) they just like, you know, that's, 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 um, they're, they're fine with like just riding that for a long time. They, they get a ton of satisfaction out of that. And for me, I think, yeah, I just, I, I, I like to do different things. I like to change things up. And it, it, there is like a business aspect to it where it's like, okay, you know, if you build up this this following for covers, like how do you get people to listen to your originals? And and mm-hmm. and then, I mean, there's also the thing of like, I do a lot of acoustic music. So, you know, sometimes you want to do electric guitar. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I find myself creatively expanding, sometimes probably to the detriment of, you know, if I literally just did acoustic, like acoustic covers for the rest of my life, I'd probably be just fine. But um, yeah, I don't know. At a well, certain sure, point, it's financially, like, but you'd, yeah. you'd burn out artistically yeah. and then probably not fucking play anymore anyway. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you, you've got to feed, you've got to feed the, you don't want to feed out, the beast yeah. as it were. Exactly. And I mean, like, I feel like the way I stumbled on the covers was very much just making things and enjoying it. And, you know, so I have to believe like, as long as I'm just kind of following that, that sense of, of like what's exciting me that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that'll lead me in, in the right direction, um, to grow and, and all that stuff. But, but yeah, I think, you know, oh, yeah. I'm still like, I, I, to me, it's way more fun to just kind of like try different things and learn it. Like right now I'm learning drums. <laughs> like, oh, nice. which I've I seen, no... I've seen some of the Instagram posts. I love that. Yeah. It's like, what else are you going to do during pandemic? But, um, you're not like, <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm doing the same thing. My, my drum rig has gotten insane in the last couple months. I'll, I'll tell you that Jesus. That's yeah, what I like to hear. It's so much fun. It's kind of like too, like, you know, the political atmosphere kind of sucks right now. So I'm just like banging away, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. like listening to rock music and stuff. What, like, is that going to feed into my acoustic? covers Ah, i don't know well i don't even know like how it will necessarily like fit in to my like singer songwriter genre music but it's like all i know is that i think it's really fun and it's kind of like exciting right now for me so you know i think one way or another it's just gonna make you a better musician i mean you can't have too many tools in the tool shed you know yeah exactly i i you know i think um approaching everything too like like the way when I was, you know, 15 and learning guitar and stuff like that. That's how I kind of want to approach music, hopefully for the rest of my life. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know if you're anything like me. I mean, look, I've been playing guitar for 25 years. I couldn't tell you the last time that I've actually practiced guitar. I play guitar every single day, but I couldn't tell you the last time I practiced (laughs) with a metronome. But every time I'm playing drums, a metronome's coming out. So at the very least, it's forcing me to establish some sort of strict rhythm which playing to a click isn't always the right move of course but like being able to play to the click is a huge deal well i think that's like and that's something that's that's beneficial about playing drums yeah i think that's what's like fascinating for me with drums is like okay at first i was just trying to learn like all these complicated things and then like now i'm just like obsessed right now with like okay can you play like a solid simple thing but like really in the pocket really solid yeah yeah just consistent you know that kind of like basic rhythmic sensibility type things that I'm super interested in at the moment but I I gotta imagine that's like feeding a lot of things that I'm doing just by proxy oh it has to yeah Yeah. there's no way there's no way that it couldn't so it's it's all good stuff even if it's not like specifically directly related to the the goal at the end i think it's still going to feed into it one way or another yeah totally so yeah that's uh, kind of what i'm doing in yeah. my free time Sweet. at the moment hell yeah i want to talk a bit about the actual recording process of mm-hmm. of the songs that you that you release both you know on spotify and itunes and all that stuff but also on youtube are you mm-hmm. um so i mean you already sort of hipped us on some of the really neat pieces of gear you have are you recording everything yourself yeah i am and i'm mixing everything myself um this year for the first time in like the seven years i've been doing this um i've i've had someone um doing the video editing um mm-hmm. and basically he'll just kind of do the basic stuff and then um i'll i'll finalize it kind of but um 
for the longest time I kept everything very close. Like, and I guess it's kind of like a creative, like a bit OCD type. Um, but, but yeah, I do, I do like to do all the, um, engineering side of it. Tell us a bit about your, your sort of, do you, uh, obviously you've got a couple Martins that you're, that you're leaning on. Do you have like a pretty standard, like this is my, this is my acoustic chain. This is my vocal chain. Like, do you, do you do much experimenting or do you kind of leave that as it is? Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, I'm always changing things in and out, but I would say that like 1073 is kind of my go-to for everything. Um, I've, I've definitely tried different things. I just ordered, um, a new tube pre which hasn't Ooh, arrived yet um it's made by tree audio um it's called the branch uh they do like i think a bunch of like um console type like um things <laughs> like they make like okay. consoles that like very like customized consoles but um i don't know i i just kept seeing the name and i was looking for a tube pre and i was i mean i'm the type of person that I'll, like i'll buy it if i don't like it i'll sell it and you yeah, know right. just kind of like switching gear in and out so i'm i'm looking forward to that and i just um put an order in for a ribbon microphone so i'm always like Ooh. which one yeah it's a cole's 4038 uh, 4038 that's that's yes. the one you got to get a pair of those for your drum overheads yeah, baby. yeah that's what i've heard <laughs> and a friend of mine has one and he's been recording a lot of acoustics with it and it sounds like amazing all this to say there's not oh this is like i'm always trying to change things up a little bit or see if i can improve things or get a different sound it's that's what's so interesting about recording something so simplistic as like acoustic guitar and vocals because mm-hmm. really what you see in the video is like kind of what you're hearing like if there's one guitar you're not going to hear like guitars doubled or anything Overdose, like that right. okay. or like like a synthesizer playing lightly in the background it's pretty <laughs> much true to the arrangement so you know when it's that simplistic it's like how can I make this guitar sound the best like or you know have the quality that I want it to sound, like have and yeah. um and same with vocals like it's just about getting like you know a great sounding vocal a great sounding guitar getting the you know the guitar take right and you know in the pocket mm-hmm. and all that stuff um when you yeah. said um you're using that 1073 are you using a bay 1073 i am using the bay <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the bay 1073 i have well, a awesome. um a chandler pre as well that um the tg2 yep that i'll use for like electric guitar stuff i don't do a ton of that but when i do that's what i'll use that, that chandler tg2 loves electric guitars for that's sure amazing i have it like permanently attached to my my kemper I don't know if you've oh, played around. Oh, I've got a Kemper um, within reaching distance of me right now. I'm a Kemper oh. boy myself. Yeah, we, we go on Kemper rants sometimes on this oh, podcast. Yeah. I, I love it. Literally love it. And now, like, with the update, you can, like, change settings on your computer. So, like, the I, workflow We've talked about that so, so much. <laughs> really? <laughs> you, oh, my God. The yeah. rig manager, the new rig it's manager amazing. has changed the way that I... Changed the game. I honestly wasn't really using my Kemper much for a while. I, mm-hmm. I have a lot of amps, but uh lately now that i have rig manager it's like pretty much always on and then i'm just right. like because within there there's like in the rig exchange there's like twenty thousand different amps or something oh, in there yeah. so i'm just like i'm just gonna try a couple dumbbells today and see what that's like <laughs> it's so crazy it, it it's the future really it um is. and honestly the, like the effects the reverbs the delays like they sound amazing and like yep. when i'm just like trying to be creative like put things down like it is so fast and it sounds great and um so yeah i basically have my tg2 
permanently attached to that because it just adds like a little extra mojo at the end of that. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty slick setup there. Yeah. I, I was going to say, there have been a couple times now where I've put in quote unquote placeholder guitars with a Kemper where I'm just like, yeah, I'll just do a quick du- a guitar and then a double and then eventually go back and re-record it. And then eventually I'm just like, why would I ever re-record yeah, this that? It sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> I so, literally like, do that all the time. <laughs> It's it's just it's it's kind of it's kind of it's a little scary how good it's gotten. I mm-hmm. will also add I don't know if you've actually done any profiling yourself yet, but having gone down that path recently, Mm-mm. it's super fun. Really? Oh my god! Oh, yes. Man. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely have to try that out. I, I'll uh, well no, now that I know you're a Kemper person, I'll I'll shoot you some over some profiles. Oh, uh, I would love I would love former some. guest and uh, good buddy of ours, James Pepper, is Nathaniel Rateliff's guitar tech, so he brought over his '64 Princeton. Uh, that's Ooh. like his main amp and we profiled that so I'll, maybe uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll shoot those oh, your way. I would love those. I would love those. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, my guitar player will actually he uses my Kemper on tour like when we went to like Europe and stuff and we couldn't oh, really yeah, bring perfect. amps. Um and it sounded, you know, great. So no complaints there. Oh yeah. Oh, you know what? I thought of this earlier and I forgot to ask you and we were sort of talking about lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um you cover a lot of songs and do you do you actually learn like do you memorize the lyrics for all these songs yeah how do you do yes that? yeah i wow. do because for the videos i mean you have to know them it's um, not like there's an ipad like out of frame and you yeah have exactly you're, you're big time enough you could have a prompter off screen yeah, yeah exactly. i guess you could but like then you're not like performing you're just staring at a teleprompter ah, yeah, <laughs> like true. that's that's very true yeah, but um, I do, and it's funny because we've done some really like complicated lyric songs, especially like pop songs these days are so like random and like like actually don't make a ton of sense lyrically. <laughs> so you're yeah. really like trying really hard to remember things. We did like a um, it was a four song Macklemore mashup. Like it was probably like oh, wow. four years ago. Yeah, like when his record came out, and I was like mm-hmm. kind of obsessed with it and the production on it and everything and um. So we did, we mashed four of those songs and, you know, that's like pretty fast rapper and <laughs> it was all over the place. Like, uh, the amount of memory. I haven't heard, I haven't happen. heard your version of this. I am definitely, yeah, I'm definitely you should check it out. I, I want to hear some Megan rap. That for was, sure. that was straight up. Like, I mean, we wrote, it was funny. We wrote like melodies to it. So we were kind of like uh-huh. singing it, but you know, it was, um, like it was definitely a passion one because you know at that point I was also doing a lot of like very strategic like okay this is the newest song and we're gonna do this one um Mm. this was like I just loved the record and like had an idea to do this and um it's one that I look back upon and uh have good thoughts about (laughs) yeah is there one that I mean and maybe it maybe this is the one but I was wondering if there's one of your because I mean you you get a shitload of views on your on your videos but has Mm -hmm. there ever been one where you're like this one is like this is the shit. Everyone's going to love this. And maybe it like didn't get quite as much of a response oh, as you, as you all thought the time. it should. All the time, literally. And then ones that like, like my biggest video, See You Again. Yeah. It, like the mashup. 70, 71 million views, I believe. I Something crazy. I have no Jeez. idea. It's crazy. <laughs> it's literally insane. Jacqueline and I both hated that one. Like literally. <laughs> isn't it the way it always goes? <laughs> like I almost, I remember like finishing up the edit and be like, should I even release this? Uh, like I was we were Jacqueline didn't like how she looked in it I we didn't have like our normal filming person filming it and Mm -hmm. it was just kind of like I felt like I was I was doing a lot of the direction and and not really able to like experience the fun of just like performing it and I don't know I mean looking back at it I like get it now but um it's really funny how when you're in in the middle of creating things sometimes especially like I have this problem 
a lot of times when I finish it, I'm like, this is terrible, but I'm just going to put it out because <laughs> you've been yep. in it for so long and you've heard it so many times that eventually you just lose the perspective on it and you just sure. have to be like, okay, I'm done. I'm like letting yeah. go of it. Well, that's, that's something that actually Dave and I were talking about maybe yesterday or the day before too. That's, it's similar almost to like, uh, to use a personal example, like I almost never like mixing my own music because yeah. Mm, yeah. I don't feel like step outside of it. First of all, I feel like there are others that just have better technical skills to do that than I do. But beyond that, I just don't ever feel like I have any sort of objective yep. vision of what it should sound like without hearing like, oh man, my guitar sounds fucking cool. I'm going to yeah. turn that up turn a it lot up. or yeah. whatever, you know, <laughs> yep. like I, I, I wish, I wish I could get, and it sounds like you've, you've figured out ways to do that, but I wish I could get that kind of perspective to be able to to mix my own stuff and not feel like I'm doing it a disservice oh man it is a psychological game sometimes but and and sometimes you really do just need to send it to somebody and be like is this does this suck does it suck? Sure. <laughs> like, yeah. is yeah, this terrible yeah. <laughs> should I not release this and more often than not they're like no that's fine like or sometimes you know okay. step away from it for a week but then the then the clock's ticking and then you release it a week late and it's you yeah know, it might not be I would as say it takes me a good I would say it takes me a at least six months to like lose that feeling of like when wow. I'm listening to it okay. again, yeah. like I, not hear things I want to change as right. much like after it's been released. Um, and then after that, I kind of forget exactly what I was trying to change. But um, yeah. <laughs> what did I, I hate so much about this before? I look can, great. Right. I can, know, I, exactly. can I just <laughs> side note? Can I just side note? Um, I have a total crush on Post Malone and I loved your covers of uh, Circles. And oh, I thought thanks. it was fantastic. If those dang uh, monsters and men hadn't come out with their version, I think oh, those yeah. would be way like definitely on the radio. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that's thinking. awesome. Yeah, I it's, love. It's fantastic. I love Post Malone as well. I like. I just think he's such an interesting person. <laughs> so I actually saw him in concert. Um, oh wow! Yeah, back in in March, and it was. I mean, this is like a side story, but it was like right after like we had a tornado the day before that came through our neighborhood oh, yeah, and right. like literally just like wrecked our neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Um, and we were still like we were I still was dazed from like my street and like the streets around me were totally fine. But like go like a half mile and it oh, looked like insane. I'd wow. never it looked like a bomb went off. And um, so I was like just dazed by that, like in, in the weirdest like like headspace and then I went to Post Malone like a bunch of my friends we had already gotten tickets and we kind of like were texting each other like should we go like this is like yeah, a really weird week right. and we went and we were just like all crying the entire time I'm sure yeah <laughs> like it you became needed. like a really emotional concert because <laughs> sure. um just like everything like uh, the tornado kind of like basically went through the backyards of like two of my friends that were with oh me and, and so like yeah I feel like I'll always like associate like now post alone with this like crazy uh like headspace that yeah. i was in that day wow so i i feel like we're we've kind of covered a lot of the big stuff here and, and and let me also just quickly say and i'm sure that you you know this already but it's it was pretty cool for me um just like you know my, my tv has has a chromecast built into it so i, I do a lot of a lot of casting to the tv mm-hmm. and then and then after your your programming has ended if if it if it leaves the app it goes to like a just like a holding screen yeah and you megan are definitely on that screen I on am my on tv the whole oh. youtube holding screen sometimes yes, yes you are right under right underneath um some of my other favorite youtube follows the slow-mo guys yeah yeah they're on it as well yeah i um gosh i that's one that's super cool i i don't exactly know like how they like chose my video for that but um 
they reached out about that and I literally get text messages all the time <laughs> about it. Yeah, you but should. That's yeah. so cool. I think it's awesome. And honestly, the video, the, the screenshot they chose is like, I think visually my favorite video that I've done. And like, I spent a lot of time like color grading it and I spent a little bit of extra money to film um, at this like amazing studio space in, um, in Nashville. And um, it paid off because, you know, I, I, I think visually it's my favorite video and um and now youtube is using it as their uh, yeah. homepage sometimes which so. uh which videos are what, what's the song for so the video that's actually an original song um it's called doesn't matter and we got like two oh, cello it's from players that, that's my favorite that's my favorite uh of, of your original uh, well, original music yeah. i listened through the the spotify playlist i nice. really i really liked the uh, the message from that one as, as and the video itself uh now i think about it because it's that's the one that's sort of following around that like sort of like younger boy, right? Yeah, it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and as a and as a boy that um, was a chubby kid myself, like seeing yeah. this kid as this, as the sort of star of the video, I fucking loved it. I thought I thought it was excellent. That was I, that was a very very good video. Yeah, I was super pumped about how that video turned out. It was, it was funny because like the storyline of that was kind of like the director's story like that was his personal story and really there's definitely a personal story within that song for myself, but I didn't really want to like like act it out or anything and um and when he kind of came to me with that idea I was like yes because I feel like everyone listens to that song and like has a different story that it kind of applies to and um when he told me his I was like yes like that's that's amazing I love it and um and yeah so I we did that in I think Virginia and it was like super cool and really you have very it. cool shoes on, I have to say. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I try. They're sparkly and awesome. <laughs> so, you know, obviously, I mean, I, I feel like you've already given us a lot here, but I'm, you know, and you probably get this question all the time, but, I, you know, as we're sort of reaching the end here, I'm curious for anybody that's listening and thinking, you know, I just want to, I want to do this YouTube thing. I want to, I want to, I want what to do what she does. Like yeah. what advice might you give someone who's, maybe just sort of starting out trying to, to accomplish something in that space. Ooh, it's, it's hard to say exactly because I feel like the lanes, like the, the, the lanes keep kind of changing in a sense. Like my path isn't necessarily a path that would work today. You know, like the things that worked for me necessarily. Um, but I will say like one thing that I was doing at the time when that kind of door opened for me was I was just doing a lot of different things. Like I was posting like the same time I was posting those first YouTube videos, I was posting things on, um, SoundCloud constantly. I was at a Tumblr page and I was like posting original songs and song lyrics. And like, I was just constantly in like this state of creation. Mm-hmm. And, and there, it, there wasn't a ton of like strategy as to like what would work. I was just kind of like, like just in it, you know, and making things and the strategy I would have thought that I would have, or like the path I, I expected to, you know, happen was, you know, I'm in Nashville. So I thought it'd be cool to like, Oh, get a deal or like get a publishing Mm -hmm. deal or something Mm -hmm. and like have, you know, be able to go down that lane. But that, you know, that wasn't working really. Like I, I had meetings and stuff and it like, wasn't, um, something I was, I was kind of pushing, um, through and, yeah, I think I, I just was like doing a lot of like, you know, things that I thought were like fun. And um, so I'd say my like advice basically is to not get so focused on like 
YouTube that you're not doing other things, you know? Cause right. I think, right. um, like definitely do YouTube videos and like make things because you're inspired to make them and, you know, pay attention to how people are like reacting to them too. Because, you know, in my case, as soon as I realized that, um, that the, the YouTube, you know, stuff was kind of like resonating with people. I like, then I kind of put it into high gear and was like, okay, let's do more of this. But before that, it was just like, A, like just kind of post things and put it everywhere, you know, just try to like have it out there and, and then Don't also be try too to bashful about it, get it out there. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and also like, you know, just keep working on your craft and focusing on that. And, um, cause there's plenty to learn. That's for sure. And get better like at drums, it. for instance. <laughs> like drums, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> Megan, you you fucking rip. Yeah, this. Is oh, thank awesome. you. I appreciate uh, it. What's uh, what's what's coming up? Is there anything sort of on the docket for you that you've got planned that people should be on the lookout for? You know, I, I kind of have like a little bit of an EP in the works, but I'm not exactly Ooh. sure. Yeah, this is such an interesting time as like like an artist because there's no touring right now, right. and um there's a lot of free time and I've really just kind of taken some time to just like write new stuff and produce things in a different way and just kind of like do a little bit more exploring than I have than I've been able to in the past um yeah like sonically and so I don't know exactly what will come out of it but I feel like um it's kind of nice that I have the time to like you know figure it out a little bit um but yeah I'm doing that I'm working on some uh some christmas music <laughs> um already. tis the season tis the season it's september but this is when you work on that <laughs> no this is this is exactly, exactly when you work on it right? yeah exactly um uh, it's funny though if you ask people around town that's like what everyone's working on right now that's awesome it's just yeah but um yeah other than that just um trying to like you know take advantage of of this space and time and like i feel like there's there's a lot of pressure for sure to like put things out right now because you know everyone's been in one place Mm -hmm. but yeah i don't know just kind of taking time to to explore a bit more i'd say yeah and that's and i think that's something that we try to talk about too and also you know on on the sort of flip side of that coin is you know none of us are out getting the the normal inspiration as writers that we used to get so don't beat yourself up too much if you find yourself sort of at a dry well with that kind of thing right now take a break if you need a break yeah yeah, I really so. have to watch my, I always say, I always watch my, like, input-output levels, because if I'm only creating and, like, not just spending time listening to records yep. and, like, watching exactly. movies and reading and, like, you know, sometimes I feel like the output will, like, suffer, you know, and then I'm, like, wondering why I'm not making things as much or creating things, and a lot of times if I look at the input, it's, like, you know, disproportionate, so um, I've been trying to, like, listen to a lot more music, too. I love that thinking about the input versus output. I'm I'm going to I'm going to remember that one, nice. Megan. Uh, <laughs> that was that was awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. For yeah, us. for sure. This is fun. If uh, anybody's listening and doesn't already um, know where to find your stuff, where would you point them <clears throat> on the interwebs to go and learn more about you and check out your music? So I am on like all of them. I'm on YouTube, just Megan Davies, um, Spotify, Apple Music. Instagram, Facebook, like you name it, I'm probably there. But um yeah. it's just all under my my name, Megan Davies. Awesome. Well, Megan Davies, thank you so much for joining us. 
as always, both of you, thank you for uh, thank you for being on and being here with me today and being safe and keep on keeping on, you know. <laughs>